Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated, undermined, and lost. I know, because that was me, before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now, I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler, and this is Health Mystery Solved. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Health Mystery Solved. I'm excited to be doing another Ask Ina episode, and today I will be answering your questions about thyroid. Both thyroid and Hashimoto's are topics I speak about often on the show and also my posts on Instagram, and it's actually also the topic for my upcoming online course. And with all the personal experience I have with my own thyroid, because gosh, I've had so many issues with it over the years, and the thousands of people in the practice that I support with it, it's a topic that is very near and dear to my heart. Plus, I'm in the trenches with working with thyroid every single day, so there is always new things to share. I posted on my Instagram, at Ina Toppler, about two weeks ago that I would be doing the show, and I got a ton of questions, so let's get to them. There were actually many people that asked about thyroid nodules and more specifically, how to shrink them. So I wanted to address that first since so many of you wanted to know. Just to make sure that we're all on the same page though, I wanna clarify the different types of growths on the thyroid. So many people, even some doctors, believe it or not, confuse enlargement of the thyroid with nodules and inflammation. So if the thyroid is enlarged in one spot, that is considered a nodule. Whereas if the whole thyroid is enlarged, that is a goiter or could be also inflammation of the thyroid. Now there's two reasons for whole thyroid enlargement. Goiter or swelling could be from inflammation of the thyroid and that could be due to thyroiditis. Goiter can happen when there's an iodine deficiency, but this is not that common and doesn't often happen, especially in the US. It's often due to thyroiditis or can be due to eating too many goitrogenic foods. And with swelling, the thyroid changes inside as the swelling goes up and down with inflammation. And typically, it's also gonna be painless when it comes to inflammation. If you do have pain and your thyroid is inflamed, that's a little different and often can be caused by an infection like a virus that can attack a thyroid. Now, if you have Hashimoto's and you have swelling of the whole thyroid, you can actually see it if you tilt your head back. That's typically inflammation that's due to a flare-up. So you wanna be careful about taking iodine. And I've talked a lot about this on previous shows. In my opinion, and my mentors and other colleagues that I work with, we believe that iodine is actually contraindicated when it comes to Hashimoto's. But a lot of times, doctors may look at a swollen thyroid, think that it's a goiter, and not properly test and recommend iodine. So you wanna be really careful with that. You know, with a goiter, it's really the thickening of the thyroid tissue. And so iodine deficiency can cause it, but like I was saying, it's a lot less common here and it's typically inflammation or these goitrogenic foods. Now the growth of a goiter is fed by a high TSH or a high HCG, and HCG is the pregnancy hormone, which is why this can happen during or after pregnancy. The good news though is HCG goes down after pregnancy, so then it's not fed. However, with TSH, if your TSH remains too high for too long, that can create the goiter and continue to feed it. So if that's what you have, you wanna make sure your TSH is tested. Of course, you wanna test all your hormones, but the TSH has to be addressed if it's too high because that's going to continue to feed the growth. 
One of the questions that actually someone posted was very specific to the swelling. She wrote, sometimes I feel like my thyroid is swollen. Is that possible? Like it's almost inflamed. And the answer is yes, it likely is swollen and it probably is inflamed. And so that could be due to thyroiditis, Hashimoto's or elevated TSH. So please check that out. Now, as for nodules, those are growths on the thyroid where a small part of the thyroid is enlarged and not the whole thyroid. They could be solid or cysts filled with fluid. Nodules are very common and about 50% of people have them. Thankfully, many are benign, but some can be malignant, which can lead to thyroid cancer. So if you have a nodule, it is very, very important that you get it checked out. Typically, you would get an ultrasound, they would measure it, and then based on how big it is, they may recommend a fine needle biopsy so that they can biopsy and see what's going on. Nodules are most commonly found in those with Hashimoto's. And in those cases, the nodules can actually decrease in size. If they're due to Hashimoto's, it is typically an inflammatory response, but rather than the whole thyroid swelling, it appears here as a nodule. I've seen many cases in my practice where the nodules decrease when we address the root cause of Hashimoto's. I talk a lot about this on the show, and you can refer back to episode 32, where I talk about the underlying causes of autoimmunity, and episode 68, where I do an Ask Ina that's all about Hashimoto's. But as a review, the underlying triggers for Hashimoto's and really most other autoimmune diseases are going to be things like foods. So that could be gluten, dairy, but it could really be anything that your body's reacting to. So a food sensitivity test would be very helpful. Infection is also a big trigger. So things like Epstein-Barr, various parasites, bacteria, um, such as H. pylori, for example, that lives in the stomach, that there's many different bacteria that we can have, especially in our digestive system that can trigger it. Toxins are another big part. Heavy metals like mercury would be considered a toxin and that plays a role. And then stress. And stress is such a biggie. And we have to remember stress isn't just a deadline at work, though of course that can be that or certain issues at home, but our thoughts create stress. So be really, really mindful of the thoughts that you think and the questions that you ask yourself, because these things can create a lot of stress that we don't even realize. Another thing to keep in mind, and I'm actually speaking from personal experience on this, sometimes a nodule may not be properly diagnosed. In Hashimoto's, especially when there's a flare-up, the thyroid tissue is not very smooth. And on an ultrasound, it may be referred to as heterogeneous rather than homogeneous. Now, depending on who's reading the result, they may mistake that for a nodule. I had this happen to me. I had an ultrasound and the report read that there was a nodule. So of course I went to get it biopsied and the doctor who was going to do the biopsy did another ultrasound right before and said there was actually no nodule. It was just heterogeneous tissue, which is very consistent with Hashimoto's. And he told me that the person who read the initial report was actually wrong. So I wanted to share this experience so that you guys can keep this in mind in case it ever happens to you, you would know what is going on. Now, the second question was, if you have Hashimoto's, is your immune system weakened since it's an autoimmune disease? How does that work? So it's a really good question. And actually it's the opposite. The immune system is actually hypervigilant. So it's almost extra active. The problem is that the immune system is just confused. So it is extra active on your own tissues, like with Hashimoto's, specifically on your thyroid. If it was an other autoimmune disease, like arthritis, it could be your joints or 
in MS, it could be the myelin sheath. So it's not weak in that sense, but because it's so hypervigilant and attacking your own tissues, it can actually be weaker on the things it needs to attack, like different bacteria and viruses. So it could be a little confusing because there's two different things that it's attacking, but it's basically certain immune cells are working extra hard and others may not be. I hope that makes sense. Now, the third question was, I switched from just Synthroid to NDT to then Synthroid and Cytomel. And Synthroid and Cytomel seem like the best fit for me. However, my antibodies are still high. I eat an almost complete AIP diet with the exception of eggs. Could eggs cause that much of an issue? Is there something else I should look into that would make my antibodies high? I had an ultrasound and I do have two nodules. So with this, you want to look at the underlying causes. It sounds like you've already done a lot on the food end if you're doing mostly AIP. And in terms of eggs, it's possible. Every person is different. So it's really hard to say as a generalization that eggs are an issue because it could be an issue for someone and not an issue for someone else. So what I would recommend is doing a really good food sensitivity test. I use Vibrant America. I find that they do a really nice comprehensive panel for each food. So you can always run eggs and they can actually break the eggs down into the different components and the protein of the eggs. And then you'll know for sure if it's an issue, because if there is an immune reaction to the eggs, then of course, we don't know if it's definitely creating the antibodies, but we know your immune system is reacting to the egg. So very likely there's probably a correlation then with that and antibodies. And then after that, you wanna make sure you look at the other underlying causes that we just talked about, which is the stress, the infections, and the toxins, and that should really help. Um, I'm also curious when you were an NDT, if the antibodies shifted at all when you went from NDT back to the synthetic. In some situations, NDT can increase antibodies and then they do go down on the synthetic. It usually takes a couple of months. I'm not sure how long you've been on the synthroid and cyanol combo, but that's something to keep in mind as well. The next question is, my TSH levels are very erratic as is my weight gain. Within months I gain with TSH shooting up. Would love to know the best diet plan, supplements, and essential tests. So in this case, it sounds like it may be Hashimoto's and you're having flare-ups, which is what's creating that erratic TSH. During flare-ups, TSH will go up and down and up and down. So for tests, you wanna make sure you get a TSH, a total T4, a total T3, a free T4, a free T3, a reverse T3, and very importantly, both thyroid antibodies for Hashimoto's, which would be the thyroglobulin and the thyroid peroxidase antibodies. Then you would really know what's going on. Now, the best diet plan to start with would be an EIP type plan where you're taking out um, the gluten, the dairy, grains, sugars, of course, uh, nuts and eggs. If you haven't done much with diet and this seems like too much all at once, you can start with at least just doing gluten and dairy-free to see how you feel and then remove some of the other foods as you go along. And then after that, you wanna look at those other underlying causes that we've been talking about, the infections, the toxins, and of course, please don't forget stress because that is a biggie for so many. Now, the next question is, what if you've been diagnosed with Hashimoto's but your hormones and TSH are still normal and your antibodies are consistently below the threshold of the 35. I don't have many symptoms either, just some fatigue and mood issues. Do you still have Hashi or is this something else? I feel like I'm in a weird gray zone. This is really a great question. And 
the answer here would depend on when and how the diagnosis was made. I would be very curious if you can look back at your blood work to see what blood work showed that Hashimoto's diagnosis. Were your antibodies actually high at the time? Because if so, that means there was Hashimoto's. And the fact that the antibodies are within the normal range, it doesn't mean that Hashimoto's is cured because as we say, we can't actually cure an autoimmune disease, but we can bring it into remission. And so it would mean that you're in remission. However, I find that a lot of practitioners, especially if they don't specialize in thyroid, they may not understand Hashimoto's as well. And it is possible you may not have been diagnosed properly and perhaps you never had it. So please look back at that blood work to see how it was diagnosed. In some situations, practitioners will look at a thyroid ultrasound and if they see nodules, they would assume it's Hashimoto's, but that also may not be the case in every situation. The next question is, what could be the cause for a conversion issue of T4 to T3, where instead of T3, it converts to reverse T3. The biggest thing here is stress and inflammation. Now, stress can come from, of course, emotional stress in our thoughts, but it also can come as stress that's physical. If you have any type of underlying infection, like perhaps Epstein-Barr virus or a parasite or bacteria or candida, those all could be physical stressors. And then inflammation, and that is often caused by a food that you're eating or some type of a toxin that's coming into the body. So those are things that you wanna look into. And as you are doing that, what I found very helpful is taking phosphatidylserine. I use a product called PS150 from Designs for Health, and it's a soy-free formula that's 150 milligrams. And I usually have people take two capsules around bedtime or maybe around dinner time, anytime in the evening, I would say. And that helps to bring down cortisol. Now, of course, you still want to look at the underlying cause. This isn't something that's going to fix everything. But as you're doing that, I find that the PS150 really helps. And we start to see that lower reverse T3 number and a higher total T3 and free T3. I hope that's helpful. And I hope that makes sense. And the last question is, I have Hashimoto's. My naturopath has patiently and skillfully supported my thyroid and other hormones over the past two years to the point where I haven't needed any T4 or T3 for months. I had steady labs. Yet my system is so reactive daily. I feel like I'm on the edge of hypo or hyper symptoms and my TPO antibody is still high, somewhere between 75 and 100. Is there anything I can do to help lower it? I'm very dialed in. I eat whole foods but I do have lots of intolerances. So looking at diet is definitely key here. You mentioned that your naturopath supported your thyroid and your hormones, but have you guys supported the rest of your system? It's good that you're eating whole foods, but being that you have lots of intolerances, are you following through on those? You wanna make sure that you are taking out the foods that you're intolerant to, but at the same time, you're also fixing the underlying issue of why you became intolerant. So often, I see people take out foods that come up on their food sensitivity test, and then they run more tests, and they have more intolerances, and they just continue to take more and more foods out where they may only have five or six foods left. The problem is that if you continue to take foods out, but don't take care of the gut, you're not gonna have any food left. And then when you don't eat very varied foods, you actually decrease the good bacteria and the type of variability of the good bacteria that you have. Typically, if you have a lot of food intolerances, 
it often stems from something in the digestive system. So it could be either that you're not digesting things properly. It could be due to dysbiosis, which means imbalance of different bacteria or yeast, and they can actually create inflammation, which then creates leaky gut. And then any food that you eat is going to be inflammatory for you. So you really want to look at the gut and heal the gut. You really wanted to look at the gut and heal the gut so that some of these intolerances go away instead of just continuing to take more and more foods out. And if you want to learn more about that, I have a whole episode on this. It was called Demystifying Food Sensitivities, and that was episode 60. So you can look back and you can get a lot more detail on what to do to help the gut. Additionally, you want to make sure you're looking at other causes if you haven't done so already. So a lot of what we talked about earlier in this episode, the stressors, the toxins, and the infections. And if you address all of those things, then we should see our antibodies go down and you should also start to feel better and not feel so on edge that something is coming, either hypo or hyper. Well, there you have it. All of your thyroid questions answered. I will be doing another thyroid episode in the coming months because more and more questions keep coming in. So please stay tuned. In the meantime, just remember the answers are out there and there is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you back here on the next episode of Health Mystery Solved. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.